Hey everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing, it's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. All right, folks, welcome to the program. This is The Other People Show. I am Brad Listy here in Los Angeles. It is good to be with you. I hope you're doing okay wherever you are. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. You can also subscribe on YouTube. Follow the show on social media, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. It is Friday, so it is time for another flashback episode. I am digging into the Other People Archive, and I'm sharing with you a selection from episode 491, which first aired on November 8th, 2017, my conversation with author Carmen Maria Machado. Carmen Maria Machado is one of the most decorated young authors in American letters. She has been a finalist for the National Book Award, and she has won a slew of awards, including the Bard Fiction Prize, the Lambda Literary Award for Lesbian Fiction, the Lambda Literary Award for LGBTQ Nonfiction, the Shirley Jackson Award, and the National Book Critics Circle's John Leonard Prize, among others. Carmen Maria Machado is the author of the best-selling memoir entitled In the Dream House. If you haven't read it yet, you really should. It is riveting. Her other books include a graphic novel called The Low, Low Woods and an award-winning short story collection entitled Her Body and Other Parties. So it's been six years since I spoke with Carmen Maria Machado, you will hear an excerpt from that conversation momentarily. Before we get there, a quick reminder to please, if you are interested, sign up for my free email newsletter. It goes out once a week. I would love it if you would subscribe. It's free. You can get the newsletter over at otherppl.com or bradlisty.com. It's easy. You just click on the little envelope icon, you know how it works, and then just drop your email address into the field, and I will I will email you once a week. It's pretty simple. I will let you know about the latest episodes of the podcast, and I share links to things that I've been reading and finding interesting. That's it. Once a week, free. So get the newsletter if that sounds good. Likewise, if you like this show, if you listen regularly, if you get something from it, you can become an Other People Patreon supporter over at patreon.com slash otherpplpod. Help the show. Help keep it going over at patreon.com slash otherpplpod. Okay, so it's time for today's flashback. Again, 
This is from episode 491 with Carmen Maria Machado. It first aired all the way back on November 8th, 2017, six years ago. Carmen was here. I remember that. We sat in this very garage and had a great conversation. And it's fun to get to revisit it right here, right now. So here we go with an outtake from my talk with Carmen Maria Machado. I mean, I think I'm, I'm like biologically disposition, like des- wait, that's not the right word. Disposition. Dispositioned, yeah, to like be nervous. Like I, or, or anxious. I just, I'm very sort of highly. Panic like, attacks? Like that bad or is it not? It's, it has been that bad though. Now I'm Zoloft (laughs) is great. Um, You seem very level to me. Oh, thank you. That's very sweet. (laughs) I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's gotten, I've gotten it kind of under control. It, it often vacillates depending on like kind of what's going on in my life. So it was under control for when I was really little, it was hard. I kind of got under control. Then I had a lot of stuff going on a couple of years ago, or at this point it was like five years ago and it started to kind of get worse again. And I'm actually a total hypochondriac. So my anxiety tends to manifest in adulthood. It manifested as like this anxiety. I was going to die. I was really sick. And it got to the point where it was kind of uncontrollable. And I, I was like, I, you know, I need to be, and I was like about to go to those residencies. And I was like, if I go to a residency and I spend the whole time just like curled up in a, the fetal position, like crying that I have cancer or whatever. I, I'm not going to, I'm really mad at myself for like You're wasting that opportunity. I'm terrified of death. So, so yeah. So I was fine. Like, I'm just going to like try some medication and it's been really working. What do you like? Okay. So let me, uh, this is interesting to me. I understand anxious. I have some of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we all do. Yeah, sure. It's sort of the human condition, but yeah. it, it can ratchet up for some people to mm-hmm. maybe like unmanageable levels. But like, I notice it in myself as like this subtle undercurrent. I also notice it physically as like this tightness in my chest. I think I've mentioned this before on the show, but like it's the way it manifests. And if I'm actually paying attention, I'm like, wow, that's sort of always there. Yeah. And like, I can kind of feel it in my body. I can feel it now. It's like kind of in my arms a little bit. And it's like, what the hell is that? It's like just some sort of human hardwiring anticipation of future, uh, some sort of sadness about the past. Like it's all just sort of buried in there. And you know, a lot of times I'm on autopilot and I don't realize it's yeah. there and it just, maybe it's informing everything I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like I, for example, like I, a couple, when I was like in my mid 20, no early twenties, I real, I was starting to develop like a popping in my jaw and I went to the doctor and they were like, Oh, so you clench your jaw and you need to have like a night retainer. It's like very sexy. Um, Nothing need... sexy. Maybe a headgear, maybe headgear. Headgear, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but they're like, we're going to get you this like very expensive, like really expensive, like mouth guard that you have to wear. Like $6,000 mouth guard. It was like it, the insurance didn't cover it. It was like, it wasn't 6,000, but it oh. was a lot. And I, I remember, um, and then suddenly after they said that I realized, like I started to notice it. And I realized that I clenched my jaw constantly. If I was like, dreading something if i was just like thinking or like in a headspace like i would be like my jaw would just be like locked in position and so now i'm aware of it so i tend to kind of like every so often i have to kind of like like kind of you know open it up and kind of like let it stretch out because otherwise it'll just it'll get really bad and if i don't remember if i don't wear the mouth guard at night the next day i have like a horrible headache i mean it's like really bad so i feel like i feel like it, and i have tension in my shoulders and my body like yeah i feel like there's that the, the physicality is like my body is kind of tense like i'm about to be hit you know, and I think that's just sort of like that undercurrent, like running through of just like anxiety. Hey, everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. 
It is The Long-Awaited Craft Book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing, it's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Did you have experiences, like when it comes to hypochondria, do you have like a deep understanding? Have you been through therapy or have you read up on it as to why this manifests in certain people? Like, did you have experience with illness at close range as a child? Was there an experience that informed it? Uh, So I, when I was a kid, I read a lot of medical thrillers. A lot of Robin Cook, a lot of this uh, Lorraine McDaniel, who is this like, she wrote like these terrifying, um, sick, sicklet. It was like, there was this, 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 the quartet. Bi- it's called like the biopsy. <laughs> no, that those were called, I want to live. Like oh there was this, God. there was this quartet of stories about this, about this girl Dawn who had leukemia oh. and it was just this like agonizing like journey through like her finding out she has leukemia how old, almost... how old are you when you're reading this oh like seven i mean i and also i was a very precocious reader because i i would read like way above my age my age range and so not only were they not appropriate for probably even an older version of me i was reading them at like a really young age and like i read robin cook who i don't know if you ever read any of his books I mean, they're terrible but they were these like medical thrillers that i was really into and there's this one coma which is all about like people being put into comas to like harvest their organs. Um, Wasn't that made into a movie? I think it was. Yeah, it came out in like the seventies, eighties, yeah. and so I, I'll never forget. Like I had to have this like minor surgery when I was a kid, and when I was like thirteen or fourteen, and the day doctor like I had a consultation the day before. The doctor like, do you have any questions for us? Anything you want to ask about? And I said, if you're going to harvest my organs, please make sure I'm dead first. And the doctor was like, excuse me. <laughs> And the nurse was like, oh, does she read Robin Cook? Like, like the nurse knew. My mom was just sitting there like, oh, my God. Like, you know? <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I just was really into that sort of stuff. I mean, I've always been drawn to the things that freak me out. And I think that's very much at the core of, like, my writing and my personality and, like, a lot of things about me as a person. Because um, I love Your taste in residencies. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So I really, like, I like to think that that sort of literate, that, you know, also, also, I'll never forget, oh, my God, reading The Hot Zone by... Um, oh, God. Richard Preston. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, like, I'll never forget, like, I was... And also, I'd read at night, you know, I'd read under the covers with my flashlight. And I remember, like, finishing The Hot Zone, being like, what? And then turning it over. I'll never forget. I had somehow missed the terrifying true story. And I was so freaked 
out. I was like, yeah, that was just. And like, there was some blurb from like Bill Clinton. It was like the scariest book I've no, ever read. It, no, it was Stephen King. He's like the first chapter of the Hot Zone is the most terrifying thing I've ever read. Or something. I remember there being a blurb from Bill Clinton on there. Maybe but so. you know, see, I believe Stephen King's. I mean, I believe that. I mean, he was, he was, and it, that was the part that was the worst. It was like the guy who was on the plane, and he's like vomiting yes, blood yes. to the back. <laughs> like, I remember this so clearly. <laughs> I haven't too. read it in decades. Yeah. And like, you know, it's just a, it's just funny. So, yes, I feel like I have all these weird touchstones that still like linger in me, which is like, it's like, why would you, and why, like, why would you keep reading things that upset you if it made you feel that way? But like, there was something. It's a way of facing it. It is, and it made me feel. It, it made me feel, which sounds really cheesy, but like, I, I, you know, it was like, it provoked a reaction in me. I feel like I've always had a great respect for art that provokes a reaction in me. All right. Changes your temperature. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like in, in various ways, if it makes me cry, if it makes me feel despair, if it makes me like overjoyed, if it makes me terrified, like I, 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 res- I just have a real respect for that. And I think that that has been the way that in that, that way since I was a kid. And that's what you're trying to uh, recreate in your own art. I think, people. yeah, I think so. I mean, that's, you know, it's funny because I feel like sometimes I'll read books. I mean, I'm sure you, you've experienced this. You read a book and you're just like, okay, right. Like, it's like, you've read it. Your temperature. I like that. Your temperature has not changed. You're just like, okay, like that was a book. I read it. Eh, you know, there's, it, but like, you don't have a feel. And so I feel like I read books like that and it just makes me really cranky because I'm like, I don't feel any different afterwards. And I don't, and I think that's just, unfortunately, just like there are books like that. There's art, I mean, there's movies, like, there's all kinds of art like that. Um, and then there are, there are, that just like turns your head upside down, you know, and that's what I want. And so you are reading way above your grade level. You're reading stuff that most seven-year-olds probably either wouldn't be able to read or would have no interest in reading because right. it's terrifying <laughs> and death obsessed. And so it sounds like you were kind of like a writer from like right out of the shoot. Like, was this something you were thinking about back then? Yeah, it was. I mean, I was writing, like, yeah, it's like, I mean, my, I've always wanted to be a writer in some capacity. I mean, I read so intensely. I mean, I would write poems and stories and I would send them to publishers. Like I had a teacher who taught us how to write like formal letters when I was maybe in like second grade or third grade. And, um, so I, I figured this out. I was very excited. And my, my godmother had given me uh, customized stationery. It had jungle animals on it and it had like the envelopes that had my name and my address on it and everything. And so I would, I would write letters to publishers cause I would find their addresses inside of, this um, is adorable books. by the way. <laughs> so like other, like I, I, I read a lot of the babysitters club books. So scholastics like address was in the inside. And so I would write letters. I'd be like, dear scholastic, like this is the first chapter of my novel. I would like this illustrator. Who's always the illustrator who illustrated the babysitters club covers, uh, to <laughs> illustrate my cover. Please let me know if you would like more. And, like, I would sign it and I would like send these. Like, Did they out. write you back? Well, the never, I never got one from a publisher though. My, my wife who's in publishing says that she sure some like intern was like beyond delighted. I like probably hung it up in their like cubicle, you know, but I also wrote to authors and usually I write like care of the publisher, which I had also, I was like, care of, you can write, like, I, it just blew my mind. I was like, correspondence is magic. Um, and obviously this is like pre-email. So, um, so yeah, so I remember I went through also like a, like a Holocaust book phase. Like I just devoured like every book about the Holocaust I could find. And there was this one book called I Have Lived a Thousand Years by Olivia Bitten Jackson. And she, and I was just moved by it tremendously. And like she talked about, she was like a young girl. It was written for young people. So by it was the way, like, if, if you write a book about the Holocaust that doesn't change a person's temperature, like right. there's no hope for you. There's <laughs> right, absolutely exactly. no hope. But I, I, but, it, but really the thing about that book that really upset me, it wasn't even just 
the Holocaust. I mean, it was that Holocaust, but it was like she had written all these poems in a book when she was a child, and the Nazis came and took her family away. And I was like, what happened to her poems? Like, where are her poems? Did she have her poem? Did she get them back? Like, I was like really troubled. I think because I had read Little Women. And the plot line, which still to this day upsets me, the absolute worst in Little Women is I've when... I've never read Little Women. Am I a bad person? It is amazing. Okay. I love that book. I love it. And I've reread it as an adult, and it, it's fan- I think it's fantastic. But I had read it, and I read it multiple times, and I really loved it. Also, there's a lot of like death in there, and I mean... But uh, <laughs> and a lot of just really funny... Like, just It's just a funny book, and it's just... I think I responded very much to also, like... It's about, like, women's lives, you know, which I just really, really... Even as a young person, like, really responded to. But anyway, so the... Um, uh, there's a plot, a plot line in there where Amy, the youngest sister, who's kind of a brat, takes Joe. Jo, so Joe is sort of the author, insert character, and she's a writer. So she's like constantly working on like novels and a, a novel like throughout the the book. And um, Amy gets very angry because like she's, I think they, they they don't take her to a party or something. She's very upset. So Joe comes back and she's looking for her manuscript, and Amy has thrown it in the fire, and it's like burning up in the fire. It's like the only copy because it's you know eighteen whatever. So. Yeah, that was a lot of pressure back then. Right, exactly. It's like you only have the one copy and like, you know, it's like burning in the fireplace. Oh. And I, I remember just being horrified. And then like later, and then like Joe gets really mad at Amy. And then later Amy goes through the ice. Uh, they're ice skating and she goes through the pond and Joe saves her. And that's when they kind of reconcile. Uh, but I was like, she should have let Amy drown because Amy <laughs> burned her book to a crisp. Like I was just like so outraged. Anyway, so this idea of like your art being taken away from you like irrevocably was like, utterly horrifying to me i mean even as a young like and i was like i was very young when i read that book and i i was just really upset by that so this idea that like this girl had been taken away not only the nazis taken her family to <laughs> away but also her poems got left behind and like what happened to her poems so i wrote this like letter to like, mid jackson where i told her i'd read her book and i really wanted to know if, if she'd ever gotten her poems back and so like maybe a month or two later my mother comes in and she says there's a letter for you from israel <laughs> and she's like who is writing to you from israel <laughs> And I still have it. Um, I still have it in my files. And she'd written back and she said, like, my publisher forwarded your letter to me. I live in Israel now, you know, to answer a question. I did not get my poems back. But obviously I like went on and wrote a bunch of books and it was fine, you know. And and it was like she had reached back and there was something like so, so magical about that. And I. There's nothing better than a letter in the mail. There's n- it's true. I, okay. <laughs> my wife makes fun of me. I love getting mail. It's like my favorite thing. And it's hard because like nowadays, like so much comes online right it's like you, you don't get a lot of like letters in the mail but to receive a letter back from an author there was something just so thrilling about that and it just felt really good so like i do my best like even when people email me like i always try to respond even if it's just like a couple lines because i feel like that feeling of being like someone's reached out to you to say like something about your work moved me or like i you know it's like that's really beautiful and i think that you know like i believe that text is its own doorway so like one day, like, I will die. And, like, if people hopefully are still reading my book after my death, that's the doorway, right? Like, I wrote a thing. Somebody, maybe who isn't even born yet, might one day read that book. And then that's really cool, right? But, like, while well, it's like I, It's like Borges says, like, you know, writers get reincarnated as books. Exa- right, exactly. But, like, at the same time, there is a real pleasure to, like, somebody actually being alive being able to say, like, hey, your work really moved me. Or, like... I have a question about something that you wrote or like it really provoked, it changed my temperature. You know? Or, hey, your podcast helped me procrastinate <laughs> in when I was supposed to be writing. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but yeah, no, the, uh, so I, I feel like there's something really magical about that. And I, I just remember that being really special um, when I was a kid. And Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah anybody you, like you look up to writes you back or give, you know, gives yeah. you the time of day. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, so you're writing all throughout youth. You're a hypochondriac reading like <laughs> terrifying medical novels. You live in Allentown, Pennsylvania. You are an adolescent. You're high school. Uh-huh. What do you like then? Oh, I'm so weird. I mean, I was a real weird kid. I like, was a we- weird teenager. I was very religious. Um, what kind of religion? Uh, I w- <laughs> so I was raised United Methodist, which is a fairly like middle of the road, like not particularly Methodists are very sort of committee, committee based and, you know, um, but I sort of, I, I would say I fell in with a group of evangelicals, like it was a gang, but I, I fell in with like the sort of the Bible study group at my church, which was like mostly, which mostly had kids who were evangelical came from sort of like more radical Protestant um, denominations. And so I was just in this very weird place where the concept of God, I love this. I'm going to use this forever. Change my temperature. Like the concept of God, I was like, there's something just so interesting about that. And I think I sort of sensed that like there was something else out there and like, why not this? And so I responded to it from, from, you know, a pretty young age. And, but, but it was always hard because even at my most, religious like i was like guys i don't think god hates gay people that doesn't make any sense to me at all and did you know you were gay then um, not consciously no okay um but i was like that doesn't make any i was like that doesn't that doesn't jive with like what i seem to understand about god and i also was like you know i don't think evolution and like god are like incompatible you know i feel like i was still i was sort of getting that more moderate influence from like my parents like my parents were both like religious but not my like my dad was sort of like he studied theology and was like very i mean he's a chemist but he I was like reading a lot of books. And so I feel like I never went like full to the other side, but it, it was really informing me. And I, I went to like a camp where I thought I'd like found Jesus and I like did a campfire con- conversion. You're and, speaking like, in tongues? No, no, not, no. That's more like, uh, Baptist. Uh, no, like, um, uh, oh my God. Pentecostal. Oh, Pentecostal. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. like a different, yeah. But, um, so yeah, but but it, I just I think I just wanted to feel again. It was like that desire to like have a feeling, like the desire to like be in touch with something sort of bigger and more. Maybe that strangeness that I felt had like this this source, like this maybe this was the source of like my feelings about just like life, you know. All right, guys, there we have it. That was Carmen Maria Machado in episode four ninety one, which originally aired on November eighth, twenty seventeen. If you want to listen to the full episode, the full conversation with Carmen. Go get it. Episode 491 is in the feed. All episodes of this show are accessible in the feed wherever you listen. So listen to episode 491 if you are so inclined. You can find Carmen Maria Machado on the internet at CarmenMariaMachado.com. I believe she is also on Instagram. The Other People Podcast has a Patreon. So if you like this show, if you listen regularly, if you get something from it, join the Patreon group over at patreon.com slash other ppl pod don't forget to subscribe to this show wherever you listen you can also subscribe on youtube if you have a couple of minutes and you would be so kind i would appreciate it if you would rate this podcast wherever you listen give it a rating write a little review if that's an option it helps new listeners find the show if you would like to get another people t-shirt or a sweatshirt or even uh, baby clothes. You can do that at otherppl.com. Just scroll down, look for the t-shirt. There are different colors, sizes, cuts, men's, women's, whatever, over at otherppl.com. Don't forget to sign up for my once a week email newsletter. It is free. You can sign up at otherppl.com or bradlesty.com. And finally, a quick plug for my latest book. It is a novel called Be Brief and Tell Them Everything, available now 
in trade paperback, ebook, and audiobook editions. I narrate the audiobook. Again, it is called Be Brief and Tell Them Everything. So, coming up on Sunday, I will be in conversation with Ruth Matievsky. She has a debut novel out called All Night Pharmacy. I had a great time meeting Ruth and talking with her. So, 